Welcome back to Ultimate of Q, your guide to the Ultimate Universe. Now in podcast form. I'm a bitch. And I'm not. <laughs> you see, beforehand, Devin's headphones were unplugged so I could hear myself talking. And so I decided to say things so I could hear myself saying them through Devin's uh, computer. And one of the things that uh, did not get picked up because Devin had plugged his headphones back in it was me saying I'm a bitch. I'm Luke. And I'm Devin. And this week we're talking about... Uh, we're talking about some Fallout. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a post-apocalyptic... Oh, oh. Not the post-apocalyptic game series. Yeah, it's the ultimate version of that. Wow. There are not enough robots in it. And not enough moral choices. This video game that is actually a comic is bad. Only No, not enough black and white choices. Only moral gray. Everyone knows you can only have black and white moral choices, Luke. Ah, unless we're dealing with the New Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I I did buy the new game that they made, The Outer Wilds, but I have not played it yet. Oh, nice. Yeah, I had Well, you keep saying Outer Wilds. Outer Worlds? Yes. Yes. Okay. No, because when you said Outer Wilds, it's like, that is actually a different game. Yeah, those names are way too close. They should have thought about that. I agree. Um, yeah, I got that, uh, XCOM 2 and, uh, Breath of the Wild. Sorry, Breath of the Outer Worlds Wild. Nice. Yeah, I had Breath of the Wild before, but I only had it for the Wii U, so I wanted to play that again. Nice. Mm-hmm. But mainly I've just been playing XCOM because it makes me feel smart when I don't lose people, but also I don't lose people in that game because I am a coward who goes back in time and is like, oh, you can't kill my best boy. You can't kill I've my learned that I am my, one of my friends from college, Lorenzo's best friends, because he named all of his uh, squad mates after college friends, and apparently I am the only one still alive. <laughs> I know there was a time when uh, Jeff, our good friend and avid supporter of the Nicolas Cage podcast that we do, also did the same thing with uh, Twitter people. Nice. Yes. Uh, I briefly thought about naming everybody, and then it was just like, uh, no, I don't want to name them after people in case they die. But maybe if I do the expansion, I will. But then you're just saying you should have tried better. Then you can just be like, Jeff, you should have tried better. You should have let that alien kill you. Yes, but uh, aliens who have killed Jeff, R.I.P., rest in power, mourn you till I join you. Welcome to (laughs) Exiled. Uh, Yeah, uh, instead of that, I... uh, Shoot, sorry. I just had a brain fart and a message online. Nice. While Luke thinks about that, I've been playing Ghost of Tsushima. Everyone enjoys that game. Cool. Also, also Fall Guys. Yeah. 
For all the PlayStation people, you all know what I'm talking about. I'm also still playing Animal Crossing. I have not missed a day yet. Jesus. I am very invested in my neighbors. That's good. I gotta keep those housing prices down. It's, it's not a game for me, I've learned. Also, Minecraft. Fuck Minecraft. God, I hated that game. <laughs> Minecraft played... is a game that I feel is a lot more enjoyable if you know what you actively want to build or if you're just fucking around with some friends on it. Yeah, that's what I was doing. Not, yeah. not a fan. Okay. I like games with purpose. Lots. Well, speaking of things that don't really have purpose or plot, Ultimate Fallout hits. It got one really good issue and then uh, five other bad ones. Yes. And, uh, I mean, I, I have no desire to rank all of these story by story. Because that would be a lot of work, and I don't think it would be very good for anybody. I think the one standout issue should be ranked separately from the others. Alright. Uh, no, I think that is very valid, so we'll rank the uh, first issue by itself. I'm just adding that at the uh, note at the bottom. I mean, if that's what we're going to do, are we also going to rank the sixth issue of Ultimate Comics Spider-Man that we are covering today as its own? I suppose. Okay. I mean, we don't need to. No, yeah, let's not. Yes. <laughs> All of the issues of Ultimate Fallout were lettered by VCs Corey Petit and or Clayton Cowles. The first issue, which we are calling Spider-Man No More, was written by Brian Michael Bendis with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andy Lanning, colors by Justin Ponsor and Laura Martin. Newsflash! Everybody is mourning the death of Spider-Man and the revelation that he was Peter Parker. MJ is out to get proof that Nick Fury was a direct cause. Tony Stark takes Aunt May and Gwyn to the funeral at St. Patrick's Cathedral where a crowd has gathered. When Aunt May gets in, though, Captain America apologizes, blaming himself for Peter's death. Newsflash. Captain America explains how even though he doubted spider No, that's that's the second story. That's We, we had to rank the first one. And we oh, had to okay. talk about it a bit more, yeah. Well, yeah. fine. I thought you just wanted to keep going. I thought you just wanted to keep flashing, flashing, flashing. No, I mean, the first one we can actually talk about how there are some good moments, and it's like, oh... What are you doing, Ultimate Universe? I, I, I haven't had this happen in a while. Oh, I'm crying. I am very sad when Aunt May is explaining mm -hmm. who she was to a young girl who Spider-Man saved from a fire. Yep. Yeah. Like, the first issue is, I think, why everyone was like, oh, this could be really, really good. If oh, it's what, just 100%. Like, Emotional moments and things that have been earned and not just set up for a lot of weird stuff. A to ultimate Tony Stark written very well. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Yeah, so... Good I mean, art. Yes. That good Bagley art. And it's got mm -hmm. the right moments to let things breathe, which is important because a lot of the other stories don't. Yeah. And, I mean, it actually has a purpose that we can see, and it's not just 
setting up things. Oh, 100%. Like, that is my biggest thing with what comes after this. Each issue is like two or three stories checking in on characters, but most of them aren't connected enough that they are actual stories or they aren't really things that if this was supposed to get readers back into everything they fail at explaining who a lot of the people are or why mm-hmm. things are important but uh let's rank the first issue of ultimate fallout spider-man no more first one thing i was at the art i was a little surprised flash thompson looked weird i i think that's valid he he kind of looked a bit more realistic than normal yeah well i mean his hair is completely different from what it was before yeah but i mean we also haven't seen flash in a while i suppose so right now our number three is the death of spider-man and i mean this is very strong Especially for a single issue. I think we could definitely mm-hmm. put it above Sidetrack, which is currently number seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do we feel about it compared to Public Scrutiny? Um, more than Public Scrutiny. More than Ultimate Clone Saga? I would say yes. More than, more than you bargained for. The Ultimate Spider-Man Annual. Yes. Is it better than The Death of Spider-Man? I would say no. I might say yes, but I'm fine putting it underneath it. Yes, put it underneath it. So our new number four is Ultimate Fallout number one, Spider-Man No More. Uh, We then get into issues two through six, and brother... Yeah. Yeah. Well, the first half of issue two was still okay. Mostly because it was a continuing part of the first one. Yeah, but then you get into the second and the third parts and... Oh, 100%. Oh, Nick Spencer sucks in all of the stories that he writes. Uh, that's fair. Uh, but yeah, do you want to cover... Do you want me to read the credits on these? Yes, read them, Luke. The first story is Captain America, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Gabriel Hardman and color by Frank Martin. The second is written by Jonathan Hickman, with pencils by Brian Hitch, inks by Paul Neary, and colors by Paul Mounts. The third is Rogue, written by Nick Spencer, with pencils by Lee Garbett, inks by Roger Bonet, and colors by Guru Effects. News Flash. Captain America explains how, even though he doubted Spider-Man, Peter took a shot meant for him. Aunt May gets angry and slaps him before leaving the church and breaking down in tears. But J. Jonah Jameson offers to help her, and they return back inside. It's a very good Jonah moment. The Jonah moment's great. The art's bad. Like, fucking Christ. I think it's horrible. It's very stylistic not necessarily stylized and the choices aren't good it's quite cheerfully i honestly joda looks like tony stark in the the illustrations fair and i mean it could have been something where they changed that part way through see i don't i don't think so I you, say, you, 
I don't know, because you set up Jonas very well in the previous issue. Because you News do get a little flash. bit of him sprink sprinkled in there. Plus, we already had Tony offering to take her home. Yes. News flash! Thor summons the World Tree and brings Asgard back to Earth, hoping their heroes will help the world! And this is where we get a reminder of how confusing Asgard is at this point. Oh, yeah. And then Rogue is... News flash! Rogue is crying in a diner and a waitress accidentally touches her and she runs out haunted by everything. She goes to a church and prays because she believes the end times are coming soon. It's not great. Yeah, that story will keep going for a while. Yeah. Uh, issue three's stories With are... sexy results. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> issue three's stories are Tony Stark, written by Jonathan Hickman, with pencils by Steve Kurth, inks by Jade Leaston, and colors by Antonio Fabella. Kitty Pride, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Eric Nguyen. And Karen Grant and the Hulk, written by Jonathan Hickman, with pencils by Carlo Pagulian. Inks by Jason Paz, and colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. You want to do the first one, or the yeah. first two? News flash! Four days before Peter's funeral, Tony went to one of his brother Gregory. Jonathan Blackhaven meets and invites him to Switzerland. When he goes, he's introduced to a group of other super-rich, self-made people, including La Contessa Valentina Allegra de la Fontaine, Miroslav and Dieter Buchwald, twins, Ming Zhang and Damon Dunn, all members of the Kratos Club who want to use their money to change the world the way they see fit, believing they earned the right. It's weird. Doesn't really go anywhere. Like, I think the big takeaway is supposed to be like, oh, hey, it's the Contessa. We know her from normal 616. There's all these rich people. And also, Greg is still dead. Fuck you, Greg. <laughs> News flash. Kitty leaves the funeral getting angry at people because they never really thought about the man behind the mask and now are using it to talk about themselves. She decides to stop being a hero, runs into Bobby, who doesn't want to return to Aunt May or get arrested, and so Kitty invites him and Johnny to accompany her. Yeah, the weird... Oh, Aunt May is just going to let these two teen boys she was taking after vanish is a weird choice. Oh, I agree. It's like, uh, no, she would not. <laughs> no, like, she would be looking for them, and then they could also come and live with her in France, and unless Johnny is going to be like, oh, shit, I did some stuff in France after Ultimatum. I can't return there legally. But at least Bobby would go. Mm-hmm. And, like, Aunt May would offer Kitty a place to say it's very weird. Well, there's been a whole bunch of things, too, because we have... The little bit of Mary Jane also writing that news article. Mm-hmm. Like, did she not attend Peter's funeral? I don't know. Maybe she was worried that Fury would take her out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's... There's some overall editorial issues and questions that come up and I don't think are answered. It's like, that's her boyfriend. It's like, she would be at his funeral. <laughs> Newsflash! Jean Grey pretending to be Karen Grant is working on Bruce to help him control the Hulk for Nick Fury, which she believes she can do. Yeah, I forgot that Hulk could join the 
weird X-Men team that wasn't really the X-Men at this point. Yeah. We both did, because that series was shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's... I don't remember how it resolves, and the whole Jean Grey as Karen Grant thing is weird, and... Also, why the hell did Nick Fury not use them during <laughs> Ultimates vs. Avengers? Oh, I know. Or Hello, he could get G. Gray to do it the entire time. It's like, why would you just go to G. Gray like since the beginning? <laughs> yeah, I mean, is it supposed to be something that is so secret that even Greg Stark, who was able to turn two of the world's top security and espionage people against each other was like greg not aware of this or did everyone just want to forget that it happened because the series was awful probably that issue four reed richards was written by jonathan hickman with salvador la roca on art and colors by frank Diarmada. valerie cooper was written by nick spencer and with art by with art by clayton crane and Spider-Man was written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Sarah Pacelli and colors by Justin Ponsor. Reed is still in... Newsflash! Reed is still in the negative zone after his ass was kicked and he resolves to leave, building a computer to send him home using his mind. He builds a dome that he fills with a group of people, telling them to evolve or become extinct. Newsflash! Valerie Cooper is getting dessert in D.C. talking to Brett, a foreign affairs correspondent. Brett reveals that she found out the location where mutants were created by the United States government, and it is going to hit the news. We have no idea who any of these people are at the point at this yep. point, and it is a very bad setup. Mm -hmm. Especially because it's like, oh, I'm going to do some character moments about ice cream, and it's... It's not, it's what a person who is bad at writing spy and espionage and government stuff thinks of what they should write spy and government espionage stuff as. Sure. Newsflash. Well, news, newsflash. The kangaroo was attacking a bar in New York City when someone in a Spider-Man costume shows up, which the crowd agrees is in bad taste. Which I agree. Shame on you, young man. Spider-Man gets beaten until he knocked back the kangaroo and escapes and Miles wonders to himself if he needs a new costume. Ah, uh, yes. The reveal of Miles Morales for the first time, which... Uh, it's also kind of wild that if you look at the credits page, the Spider-Man story is at top, but they put it in the back of the issue. That way it would probably be harder for people to just skip ahead to. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, it's crazy too because Miles looks almost nothing like he does now, mm -hmm. or even really kind of where we have in like a couple issues. Yeah, he he goes through some early trans uh, transformations in terms of how he's going to look more than mm -hmm. I think Peter ever did. Mm -hmm. But I think it's also drawing people without hair is kind of difficult. Yep. Issue 5 has Quicksilver, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Luke Ross, and colors by Jason Keith, and Nick Fury, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Billy Tan, and colors by Guru Effects. Newsflash! Quicksilver meets with some business people and is like, what if I sold mutants as slaves? Because legally, mutants aren't people anymore. 
Afterwards, he has sex with a businesswoman who he was secretly working with, but then his sister Wanda switches places with her, and she tells her that his father would be proud and to go to Egypt before vanishing and turning back into the businesswoman. It's weird, and the art is... The art is awful here. Also, I don't think you could talk about these things on television. Luke, your show has now been cancelled. Newsflash! Fury checks the news to see that the EU has made a new Captain Britain. J.B. Braddock since his brother got a cancer diagnosis. Also, war is brewing. He gets called into a meeting with Jasper Sitwell, who tells him they are losing 30% of the S.H.I.E.L.D. budget, while also asking him to expand operations by 30%. Yep, this is just Hickman building stuff, which I think works a lot better than... The Quicksilver stuff. The Quicksilver part just takes so long. Mm -hmm. It's just like Spencer trying to write smart business people stuff and he should really just stick to jokey joke books. Or comedy bits, because... Uh, Spider-Man's been very good. But is it a book where he's making jokes? Somewhat, but we also have a lot of good dramatic moments as well. Here it doesn't work. It may also just be the Luke Ross art, because he's doing the, I'm going to use 3D models and then just throw Photoshop filters on them. Hell yeah. That's why everybody looks like they have been posed as a mannequin. Issue 6 uh, features the stories Aunt May, Gwen Stacy, and Mary Jane, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with pencils by Mark Bagley, inks by Andy Lanning, and color by Paul Mounts. Kitty, Bobby, and Johnny, written by Nick Spencer, with art by Eric Nguyen, and Nick Fury, written by Jonathan Hickman, with art by Mitch Breitweiser, and colors by Mitch Breitweiser, with Betty Breitweiser, on assists. Newsflash! Aunt May is still mourning while a mob surrounds her house. Gwen reveals that she dyed her hair black to try and hide her identity, and they both feel paralyzed. Additionally, Aunt May lost her job. May asks where Gwen would like to go, and she replies, France! And they decide to take up Tony Stark's offer, and he gives them his villa on the French Riviera. As Mary Jane sees him leaving in the helicopter, Fury explains what's happening, having appeared in her room. He sees the report she wrote and explains his past, how he knew the Parkers from before, and how he wanted Peter to become a better man, and how Mary Jane is completely right to blame him. And then Nick Fury disappears her. What a crazy ending to the Parker saga. But yeah, like, this was the big part where it's like, Aunt May is saying nothing about Johnny or Bobby. Gwen yeah. is saying nothing about Johnny or Bobby. Peter is saying nothing because he's dead. Gwen's like, actually, I just want to be an only child. I mean, fair. She's had a rough life. This is selfish, Gwen, but time. Oh, and then after that, we also get Newsflash! There's like two more pages worth of content for the Kitty Pride story where she leads the guys into their new home in the Morlock Tunnels. Also, Newsflash! 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 News Nick Fury gets the news that Captain America has quit. Which we get no context for. Yeah. Yeah, it's 
it's not it's not a good series. The first issue is very good. Everything else, uh, especially the Spencer stuff, is just a weird letdown. The Hickman stuff is mostly just set up, and the Bendis stuff is like, you know, I would have liked to have seen more of this. Yeah. But, Go issue one. Yeah. Uh, but we have to rank issues two through six now. So. Where do we want to rank this? It's, it's not good. I believe, as the hit band Blink-182 said, down, 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 down. Well, our list has hit 150 comics. Uh, well, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Origins, which I think it is justifiably comparable to? Where's that? I'd say it's slightly better than it. Because Ultimate Origins... Well, no, we cut out the best part of it. Uh, okay. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Secret? Better. Ultimate Secret is better, or this is better? This is better. Okay. Uh, then how do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Marvel Team-Up, the Spider-Man and Fantastic Four? The Spider-Man Fantastic Four one is better. So our new number 108 is Ultimate Fallout 2 through 6. Ultimate Fallout. Yeah, that first issue, beautiful, wonderful, great. Uh, after that, it's it's a mess. The second half should have also been in there, too. Of issue 2. Should have just made it a double-sized issue. And Bagley the entire time. Yeah, I, I I can't really argue with that. I am also quickly looking up the uh, title of the uh, arc of Ultimate Spider-Man. We then have Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Volume 2, numbers 1 through 6. Who is Miles Morales? Is that really what it is? Are you just making that up? Was I making up the title? Yeah. No, I went and looked at the Ultimate Comics Spider-Man story arcs, and that's what the trade is called. Nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I, I think when this was coming out, it was the point that I had stopped working at the comic shop and yeah it was it was interesting times because this was something that they build up uh because you had also had donald glover being like hey i should be in spider-man which would have been cool mm -hmm. and then this is like all right we'll see what i can do and then made a character who's younger than donald glover Significantly. Mm hmm So issues one through five were written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Sarah Pacelli, colors by Justin Ponsor, and letters by VCs Corey Petit. The sixth 
Oh, and uh, David Messina did finishes on the fifth. The sixth issue has art by Chris Somney, and the rest of the team stays. Eleven months ago, Norman Osborn. Newsflash, eleven months ago, Luke. No, we're done with the newsflash bit. Newsflash, Luke. Flashback. Eleven months ago, Norman Osborn wanted to make another Spider-Man with the help of Dr. Marcus. The Prowler, after Osborn lost everything for the first time, broke into his lab and unknowingly also took a modified spider. Elsewhere, Miles Morales is taken to a charter school lottery where he makes it in after... Afterwards, he goes to visit his uncle Aaron. Aaron is happy that Miles will have more chances than he and his father ever had. But while getting popsicles to celebrate, Miles is bitten by the spider and falls unconscious. When he gets up, Miles' father arrives, angry that they were spending time together, and Miles runs away and freaks out while his dad tries to find him, and Miles realizes that he has turned invisible. <gasps> Miles freaks out and runs, realizing that his other abilities are also enhanced. When a punk tries to mug him, Miles accidentally zaps him, and they all think that he is a mutant, and go to call the police, which would be a weird call. So I was trying to mug this dude, and then he attacked me with powers. He is probably a mutant. Just like that one time when that man complained that his house got burgled, but he is a drug dealer, and that man stole all of his weed. Yeah. Also, fuck the police. Yeah. Also, fuck these explicitly racist police, because the entire policing is based on whether or not people are mutants. Oh, 100%. So, Miles goes to his friend Genki, asking for help, and making him keep his powers a promise and when he tries to turn invisible it doesn't work no, but then he making shows... him keep his powers a secret Luke. what did i say a promise oh yes <laughs> and uh miles can't turn invisible but he shows his zapping power which destroys genki's lego ship and i'm sorry genki you said that you have spent several days on that like that is an afternoon project Unless you're, like, one of those people who only does Legos for, like, 15 minutes at a time. I mean, when I do Legos, I usually do it only for several hours at a time. Yeah, like, you build until you get it done, but that pirate ship was not super complicated. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. Because he's like, How do you know, Luke? That is at least, like, a 1,500-piece set. That means it's going to take minimum about eight hours to complete. Yeah, but not several days. You only do it for like two or three hours at a time. Usually they have it separated in the different bags. What if he also bought it from China? Then you got to try to sort all the Legos, which is currently what I'm doing with Lego Simpsons House. And it is a pain in the ass. Why aren't you buying Lego Legos? Why aren't you buying legal Legos, Devin? Uh, because the Lego Simpsons House has been out of print for forever. It goes for $500. If you really love the Simpsons... Anyways. Lego company ain't getting that money. So his father shows up and they go for a walk where he explains that he and Aaron used to steal things together. He got arrested before Miles was born for stealing, felt shame, and stopped. While Aaron never stopped stealing things, he wants Miles to trust him. And before Miles shares that he has powers now, Iceman and the Human Torch fly over and he mentions wanting all the mutants to be rounded up. Like... He's not explicitly a cop like he is in the movie. 
But, oh my god, that is a cop thing. Mm-hmm. And that night, Geiki texts Miles, who shares a report that uh, Ben Yurik had when he interviewed Spider-Man, who shared that Spider-Man was also bitten by a spider. <gasps> the plot thickens. Mm-hmm. Miles so, shares that he can walk crawl to Genki, and Genki explains that he is a mutate. The next Miles share... Oh, sorry. The next day, they head to figure out why Aaron had the spider and find the place to be empty. As they walk back, they see a house on fire, and Miles ignores the firemen to try and save people before he gets away and decides that he is not Spider-Man. When school starts at the Broken Visions Academy, they need their shared they meet their shared roommate, Judge, and school starts. One night there is an emergency drill, and Miles hears the news that Spider-Man was shot. Miles escapes the school and follows explosions while Peter dies, and Miles asks what his name was once, and he sees Peter dies and blames himself for not being a hero. At the funeral, he asks Gwen why Peter became Spider-Man, and she gets angry before explaining about Uncle Ben, and he wore a mask to hide his identity. Miles works to design his own costume before Genki shows up with a Spider-Man costume from a Halloween store, and after his encounter with the kangaroo, realizes this was in terrible taste. Oh, I thought you were going to keep reading. Fine, I will keep going, because I just see we're almost done. When he goes out a second time, though, Spider-Woman finds him and asks him who the fuck he thinks he is. He tries to escape. She takes off the mask, and she asks where the hell he got his powers before webbing him. He tries to escape and falls out. He wakes up in a cell with Fury, Hawkeye, and Iron Man joining Spider-Woman at the Triskelion, and Fury tells them to leave once they know that he is not a mutant. Fury introduces himself to talk and explains he knows about Uncle Aaron, revealing he is also known as the Prowler. Meanwhile, Electro is accidentally underdosed with sedative and escapes, killing people in the hospital and causing a blackout. Iron Man, Hawkeye, and Spider-Woman try to fight Electro without much luck, but Miles as Spider-Woman shows up and is able to surprise him long enough for Fury to shoot and kill Electro. The next day, Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, shows up and gives him a new costume based on his design. Also, just a weird comment here. Jessica Drew is supposed to be the same age as Peter Parker, and mm -hmm. the way that she is drawn there, she looks like she's 30 and not yeah. like 16. Yeah. Just a, hey, let's not overly sexualize teens. I feel like they like weirdly made her like age up a bit. And then when it gets to the uh, all-new Ultimates, she goes back to being a teen. Yeah. Or just nobody knows how old women are. Because, yeah, uh, she tried to join the Roxxon Brain Trust, and it's never really brought up there, though she could also be a child genius. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. There's a lot of times where that happens. It happens later when Smiles and Spider-Gwen like, start to hook up. Because he is 18 and she is an adult. In Mexico City, Aaron wants to go and meet with the boss and is roughed up by the boss, who is the Scorpion's men, until he fights back. Aaron wants his money and Scorpion wants what Aaron was supposed to steal from Osborne. When Scorpion pays him, Aaron tries to attack in return for being attacked, but it is ineffective. He escapes and he is arrested. Meanwhile, in Brooklyn, Spider-Man gets into his first fight helping to stop a mugging before the police try and arrest him. And it is all captured on film by Betty, by Betty Brandt. I don't remember why Betty Brandt was fired. Because uh, she was hooking up with Craven the Hunter. That's right, that's right. 
Thank you, Devin. You're welcome. Miles gets home to see his mom and talks about his dad's past, who she believes was a bad person. Well, she believes Aaron is a bad person. And Miles wonders if he might also make the same mistakes before Genki bursts in, wanting to show Miles the footage of Spider-Man fighting Octopus that he had from when the movie was filmed, believing that Miles is going to know is going to need to know more than Spider-Man ever knew. And Betty works with Jameson to get her job back in exchange for the footage, and in Mexican jail Aaron sees the news about the new Spider-Man, but can't read it because he, quote, doesn't read Mexican. Classic Uncle Aaron. Also, I, I disagree with this. If for Betty, like, going against, like, more or less the journalism code of ethics, Jameson would not have given her her job back. Yeah. Jameson's making new mistakes related to Spider-Man now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I guess we can also kind of talk about it. I think that the setup and the power development in, uh, spider-verse the movie is much better than it is here except for miles's dad being a cop yeah well to be fair he later becomes is revealed to be like super cop but hmm. i i don't really remember that oh he's later revealed to be a shield agent or a former shield agent fucking wild fucking yeah. wild uh yeah so let's rank these comics so, Ultimate Miles Morales numbers 1 through 6. Who is Miles Morales? How do you feel about it compared to Ultimate Spider-Man power and responsibility? Not as good. Not as good. Not as good. Okay. Uh, how do you feel about it compared to Spider-Man's 150th anniversary special? I would still put the 150th slightly above this one. I do think it's better than the first volume of Fantastic Four. I would agree with that. Which makes it our new number 39, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man. Volume 2, numbers 1 through 6. Who is Miles Morales? And that's what we have to rank for this week, Devin. Yeah. Do you know what we're covering next week? Um, is it some Ultimates or Ultimate X-Men? No, that's going to be next time. Next week, we're doing another episode of our Nicolas Cage podcast. That is TBD, to be determined. What movie we're going to watch. If you check out the Patreon, which is under my name, Luke Hare, uh, you can vote between four Nicolas Cage movies. Devin, do you remember what those are? Yeah, that would be the... Classic Marvel film Ghost Rider, the sequel to uh, National Treasure, National Treasure 2, Book of Secrets, uh, the Michael Bay uh, magnum opus, The Rock, and the classic children's film, G-Force. Yes. Uh, I have not but, seen, actually seen G-Force. Only one been. of those movies is on the Criterion Collection. Can't you guess which one? The Rock. The Rock is on Criterion Collection. Michael mm-hmm. Bay has two movies on Criterion. What is the other one? Uh, Armageddon. Fair. Yeah. Uh, so, 
In two weeks, though, we are going to be covering Ultimate Comics, Ultimates, Ultimate Comics, Hawkeye, and Ultimate Comics, and Ultimate Comics X-Men. As we jump into the first arcs of all of those. So get ready for some Hickman and some we need to figure out what we're going to do about all these mutants. Yeah. We didn't get any questions this week. You could send us questions. Devin, yes, where can people find you online if they want well, to do that? Yeah, sure. You can probably find me somewhere online at Fred Fett. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And Luke, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg. That's K-O-L-T-R-E-G. And if you're interested, I am making a new role-playing game system called Grill and Chill. It's about having parties with friends and food where you don't need to worry about quarantine. It's great. That sounds nice. It is, it is. Uh, also, the Exide Annual is going to be coming up sometime soon. If you enjoy this show or the other things that I produce, there is a Patreon where for as little as $1 to $2 a month, uh, you get direct access to our Nicolas Cage podcast, The Unbearable Weight of Nicolas Cage, and other things that I put up in weeks where we can't do that, except for weeks where Multiversal Q go up. And, uh, yep, there might be something new coming up in the stream because content and also people's schedules are getting very different very quickly. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. If you enjoy the show, leave a review, tell your friends about it, and uh, if you don't enjoy the show, let us know so we can make it better. I yes. think that is it for now. Devin. Yes, Luke? Happy Makeup Dragon Quest Week in Pokemon. Thank you. You as well, Luke. May you get a shiny. I got a shiny this morning, but it was not a dragon. What was the shiny, Luke? It was Gligar. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. It's it's bluey-purple instead of just purpley-purple. Nice. I like when the shinies, you can actually tell, are shiny. Yeah, yeah. Like my shiny Gengar. What I can't, is different I can't tell. That? Yeah, Shiny Gengar is one of those popular wastes. Cool. Yeah. Well, uh, yep, we got it done. We can go and catch Pokemon or fight in the streets or go and do the bug-off contest in Animal Crossing. The world is your oyster. So get shucking. Mm-hmm. Catch you on the flip mode. P -p 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 Peace.